0: the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go Out into the wilderness to look at, a reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of our Lord.
1: He's defeated. Good, Good morning. morning. relationships and their goodness, and their trouble shape us. I suspect for
0: many of us here,
1: there are those who know a great deal about us, and yet there are those with whom we interact that would not know the full underpinnings of love and strife that motivate us, a reality sometimes unknown to ourselves at its very depth.
0: The Gospels give
1: us a composite of Jesus. And I contemplate that so much more happened in his life than what was included in the written story. In a New Testament class I took last year, an author, Eugene Boring, reminded me as if for the first time that Jesus had four brothers and at least two sisters. As a person growing up with six siblings, I have a newfound respect for this person called Jesus, those had to be relationships that shaped him. It seems that maybe a few of Jesus' brothers were also counted among the twelve. Can you imagine the stories they could have told? I would describe my own large family as a spider, but we do not all directly relate with each other in the same way. And yet we are directly or indirectly connected through one sibling or the other. My oldest sibling, as only oldest siblings can do, reminded me this week, um, right before she knew I was doing this sermon, and I quote, we all stop listening to sermons after eight minutes. (laughs) You can talk longer, but we won't be listening saying, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> and I wonder about Jesus and his of relating, and what it taught him about himself, and what it teaches us about Jesus. I think you can learn a lot about people through who they hang out with. In today's Gospel, Matthew continues his story with John the Baptist. Matthew's insertion of this particular story of John is seemingly out of place from where it is in the other gospels. And the liturgical liturgical year A that we are in positions what seems to me a far-from-advent gospel at the heart of the Advent journey. I mean, it's about John the Baptist. So let's see what Incarnation has in store for us today. The Magnificat is sung by Mary at the home of Elizabeth, and she was filled with the grace and probably trepidation of her yes. Mary ran to the hill country. Elizabeth had to be a significant relationship to her to cause her to choose to go there in her lowly and vulnerable state. It is here that John and Jesus first met. Elizabeth welcomed Mary as the future broke free in both of them, and John left inside of Elizabeth. Baby spoke to baby in the womb of these two women. It is worth wondering about the possibility of these second cousins growing up together, or at least attending the various Jewish festivals that might bring families of this ancient time together. Jesus and John's preaching, living, and dying had many uncanny similarities to the point that some thought Jesus was John the Baptist. Rings familiar to my experience, I went to an all-girls high school not previously attended by any of my older siblings, transferring via two buses completely across town because if one more person called me Bernadette, or John, or Margaret, or Christopher, or Loretta, or Joseph, I had to go away to differentiate myself. People worked to differentiate John and Jesus. Throughout the church year, the Gospels introduce us to the theocracy, the frames of reference of different sects of Jesus' tongue. Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, Hellenists, Zealots, and the followers of this aesthetic, John the Baptist. Boring says the majority of first century Palestinian Jews did not belong to any of these groups. The religious views of most were probably influenced by the cross currents emanating from more than one source. Although it is thought that Jesus spent time as a follower of this fiery preacher and prophet of repentance. John is a figure of significance in Jesus' life. In today's reading, John asks Jesus if he is the one to come. Is this a reflection of doubt from a man in prison seeing his life's work crumbling in this unlikely Messiah. For he and the people of his time expected that the Messiah to come brandishing a power that would destroy the oppressive Roman rule. Was John the Baptist thinking about his own doubts and the doubts of the people of his time when they were hit in the gut with the dichotomy of what they expected and what they actually saw in Jesus? What one expects of Jesus, and one what actually discovers? Is it possible this is the incarnation of Advent? As all human emotion, conflict, and relating cannot simply be reduced to one dimension, I wonder if this was not also a time of John calling Jesus more to himself. One participant of a preaching group that I join in on pondered if Jesus and John might have a code language. And I would add, not so far-fetched for adults who have spent time as children together and then find their adult lives intersecting one another. I have friends that I met in a shared bathroom in a college dorm who remain in and out of my life today. These are the people that knew me when and know me now because of it. The friends where we pick up, where we always left off, somehow still connecting with who I am and who they are now. Are you the one? Is it possible in the midst of his own legitimate doubt, knowingly or unknowingly, John was awakening and calling Jesus more to himself. And Jesus responds with an inner authority, telling John's apostles to tell him what they see and hear. The blind see, the deaf hear, the poor have the good news brought to them. From then on and throughout his life, Jesus presents a model of relationship and a model of power unlike what was expected. Then Jesus asked those around him about John the Baptist. Who did they expect to see in the desert? He presented the dichotomy of what they expected and what they found. What they were taught and in a way shaped to believe came into direct relationship with this man in the desert. Is it possible the Incarnation of Advent is inviting us to reflect on this same dichotomy? Another quote from Boring, he says, Each person, each of us, has constructed or adopt an assumed framework of truth that we usually live by, with which we evaluate everything else. When we receive new insight and data, we integrate these into the old paradigm, our framework of reference that makes sense of the world and our place in it. We are usually unaware of the framework itself. It is just the way things are. We resist, at the deepest level, any tampering with our framework and defend ourselves against direct attacks. Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom, the new reality of God's world breaking in, subverts the world.
0: And then we discover
1: that we have a choice. We have a choice to make about what is real and what reality requires of us. We often don't like this my siblings and I could not be more different than one another, but I'm beginning to think those early relationships were preparing me for where I stand in front of you today. Not exactly like you all, look alike, talk alike, think alike, or believe alike, mind you. And I cannot tell you how that very reality is one of the most exciting experiences to open up and I expect is groaning expectantly to open each of us in our life together as community. Risking relationship with one another risks a disruption of each of our well-developed frameworks. Frightening, maddening, uncomfortable, and transformative, for sure. As one of your deacons, of a leadership group with a vision to bring Nevada for the common good to Northern Nevada. The model of community organizing seeks at its heart to build relationships. The dry erase board in the library lists activities of our five-year strategic plan, things like creating a beloved community, building circles of trust, Develop labor resources to tackle causes recognized by the wider community. Display ministry lineage. Identify ecologically-minded causes. Form diversity committee with other parishes. Sit call coverage for the warming shelter. Creation care groups. Seems to me these activities is incarnation, living, and breathing in us as a community. It is an incarnation that if we let it, if we welcome it, and in spite of our efforts,
0: will disturb
1: disturb the existing frameworks in ourselves and in our community. For when we risk living the framework of Jesus, the blind see, those experiencing homelessness have a warm place to sleep. Those experiencing poverty, racism, inequality within our arm's reach see oppressive structures dismantle. The earth will be healed. It is this incarnation is asking us directly,
0: are you the one?
1: It is your time. What will you decide? Are we the one? It is our time now.
0: What will we decide?
1: Amen.